Welcome to Trending. Good morning. I hope you've had a great week. I'm your host, Ben Rogers. I'm excited about today's show. This has been in the works for a while, and we have finally worked it out where Ms. Caitlin Steakley from Habitat for Humanity and so many other things could join me in studio. Welcome, Caitlin. Welcome. I'm glad I'm you're excited here. excited to be here. Um, you have been somebody, and we'll get to how we got together and met and worked together, but you and I have been talking about this on and off for a few weeks, and I know your schedule's crazy, so I know your time's precious. I promise to have you out of here as quick as possible, but thank you for being here. Um, I'm excited. Um, so many people know you, and they're going to get to know a lot more about you. Thank you so much for having me. You're I'm welcome. excited to be here. So first, I want to know what your year was like from January to March 1st or March 2nd. Honestly, 2020 started off a little crazy at our house. Um, my kids were sick, and then honestly, it felt like a never-ending cycle of chaos. So once the tornado hit, it got even more chaotic, right. and then COVID hit, and it was even more chaotic. Yep. So if I could coin 2020, it would be chaos. 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 Mass yeah. chaos. And you've not been any cause of that, but you've been in the middle of that, and you have contributed a whole lot and we're going to get to that and y'all know you're modest and and but i'm gonna to have to I have to get you to talk about yourself some today and but i we want to get into that so it was a little bit of chaos before march with family yep kids being sick the tornado hits and when the tornado hits and of course people's heard me say that i was actually in nashville about a half a mile from the tornado there oh wow for work and so i was not here but i got back as quick as i can but when did you decide to begin helping with the tornado relief and what did you do first so if if anyone knows me as a person they know i just have this like i go all the time like i'm always looking for the next thing that i can fix or work on or try to make better um but that morning I couldn't do anything. I was sitting there. I was frustrated because I'm like, I want to go help. I have a propensity to go and just do something, get my hands on something, fix something. And I couldn't do anything. I wasn't a first responder. My husband was. My husband worked for Upper Cumberland Electric. So he was, he's on a lineman, but he had to go out and help the lineman. Sure. Um, and so he was out there and he had to be, he got called in at 3 a.m. And he started texting me saying, this is really bad. This is really bad. My best friend works at the hospital and I, she called me on her way to work at 4 a.m. She works in PR there and it's really bad. It's really, really bad. I can't get down 70. I can't get anywhere. We can't get a hold of some of our friends. Like, we don't know what it like. It was just, I was up at 4 a.m. when he left or three, it was three something. It was an hour after that he got called in. So you knew because he got called in. He you started knew, sending me pictures. You knew it happened. Yes. Because you don't live near, like, no. right near. No, no, no. I live um, over, kind of over on this side of town sure. near Stonecom sure. over this way. Um, but no, I, I didn't know that I did know that things ha that something bad had happened. We actually watched the whole thing fold out on the news, okay. um, in Germantown and we were watching the Germantown stuff. And I just kept saying, Barrett, that, cause, and they showed, you know, they were showing the paths on the news and I was like, your office is gone. Like right. you're like where they're showing if this really hit your office is gone. Mm -hmm. So he gets into work. And of course, Upper Cumberland Electric was right in the middle of it. Um, across the road was, um, mass devastation. The houses were completely gone across the road and they had lots of damage. Well, their building had to be tore down and everything. But, um, that morning about, so I had been up since four, um, and just panicky and feeling like I need to do something, but I can't, but I know I need to take care of my kids because my husband's at work, obviously. Mm. Um, and so all of a sudden people started posting my friends that lived over near 111 and on the, um, I guess the east side of town started posting, photos uh, that they had found in their yard and um, memorabilia that they were finding and lots of papers with people's names on them. And like that, I just started seeing that kind of flood my Facebook. And I, all I could think was this all needs to be in one place. So I can do something right now and right. I can make something and I can make a group. And so I was like thinking that this could be helpful, but if nothing else, like at least these people can be reunited with their things. 
um, if nothing else. But God. as the time passed, it became evident that a lot of those photos that people were finding were of deceased families and stuff. And so that was really hard. Right. Um, but that's kind of the, that's the genesis of everything that happened as far as Cookville Strong goes and the and the Facebook group. Um, but it, yeah, it was mass chaos. It, it just goes with my 2020 so, year. Uh, and, and to me, for you to think that quickly, for you to uh, want to do something right off the bat, I think just defines you as a person and everybody else that was so involved or, or put their put their time and their energy into, into helping. Um, and as people know, the people I have on this show are related to public service somehow because that's a passion of mine mm-hmm. and I don't do great at it sometimes, but I love like, like you, I, I want to help for you to think about it that quickly shows you were pretty put together, uh, instead of freaking out, because I'll be honest with you. Uh, I don't know. Last time I said this, when I got home that day from Nashville, when I finally got down to interstate 40, uh, my wife and I sat in the kitchen floor and cried for probably an hour and tried to figure out what we could do and what I could do. So I immediately went to the 911 center and, and met with Brandon Smith and what can I do? And it was, you know, it was controlled chaos mm-hmm. and I don't know how they controlled it, but they did. And we've talked about it, but thank you for, I'm going to thank you a hundred times a day, but thank you for thinking quickly and providing an outlet for people that were either affected or suffering or an, an outlet for the people trying to help because mm-hmm. without those people picking up debris and without those people gathering pictures and gathering memorabilia, you know, there's no connection, and you provided that, and it was Cookville Strong. Mm-hmm. So, what made you think of Cookville Strong? Uh, I honestly don't remember. Just that's. Just I mean, happened. it was just like I was sitting there, and I was like, I was typing out a few things. Um, I come from a marketing, and I come from that type of background, and um, I was, you know, thinking, oh, Cookville tornado, and I'm like, no, that sounds sad. Like I was trying to think of things that wouldn't be um, disappointing to go and have to look up or right. traumatic for other people to look up later, something sad, you know. So I immediately went to Cookville Strong, and I and I personally wish at this point that I would have used Putnam Strong just because it encompassed everything, and I got a lot of bite back about that at the beginning. But um, at the end of the day, it was. It was what it was, and it worked together for all of the good things. So you got some bite back for Cooble Strong, yes, because now, listen, people I, wanted it to I, be Putnam Strong. So and- I'm a Baxter guy. Love my hometown. Love mm-hmm. my community. I live west of Baxter. Grew up west of Baxter. Not in the city limits, but Baxter is my place, and I love Cookville. Baxter is my place. Mm-hmm. I don't take offense to that. Well, thank you. I, 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 I don't pe- think it was offense. Like I okay. really don't think it was people taking offense. I just think that some people felt like I had excluded and made it just about Cookville and and that it encompassed whatever. But even being from Baxter myself, because I'm also from Baxter originally, I've always told people I was from Cookville, even though my family literally lives in Baxter. And because so everybody knows because it's easy, it's more of a landmark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, but it wasn't anything like, you know, special or whatever. But yeah, I did. I got some phone, like people that were like, could you please just change it? And I'm like, I really can't at this point, but you know, I, and I tried from going forward to say Putnam strong when I did go to stuff, because I understand that it is, but there is a page Putnam strong, right? Um, maybe, you didn't there start is. it. Yeah, no. If okay. There's a Putnam Strong okay. page. Maybe. I don't think okay. so. Okay. All right. I have a like a page, like a um the logo I think is Putnam Strong okay. on there, but it's the Cookville Strong page. Okay. Maybe well, that's, that's what you that, see. Maybe that's what I see. Yeah. Okay. No, there is a logo though for Putnam Strong just because we, you know, wanted I to include everybody. Never thought one time when I saw Cookville Strong that that was uh inappropriate. Well. Not one time. And that's you. a funny story because sometimes some a uh, 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 guest will think of something and I'll I'll tell a funny story, but when when you talk about where 
where you're from, mm-hmm. and you're from Putnam County, a lot mm-hmm. of people say Cova, whether you're from Baxter, Allgood, Monterey, or wherever, because yeah. it's the it's the county seat. It's the most populous city in the county, so that's common. And I I got a story. When I was like four years old, my parents took me took my brother and I to. Um, uh, Opryland when mm-hmm. it existed with I think maybe a church or something I don't remember and this lady that worked there come up to me she said young man where are you from and I said Bright Ridge Road <laughs> because that's where I lived was yeah. Bright Ridge Road it's actually Turkey Hollow Road now I didn't know I mean she asked me where I was from and she looked at me she said okay and she walked <laughs> off and my dad said son that's one way to get rid of them <laughs> just tell them something like that but that's but it's common for people to say Cookville so mm-hmm. yeah I anyway that, so Cookville Strong Facebook page mm-hmm. how many followers are there do you know there's 26,500 and it pretty much stalled out after a few days like a few days um or not a few days I guess about a, a little over four to five weeks it stalled out and then we just stay we've stayed at 26.5 for a while that's pretty amazing yeah that's a lot of people following a page so that's pretty amazing well again so that page what did that page when you started it and we got a little over a minute left in this segment we continue mm-hmm. to talk about it but when 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 you started it and you told us that was your outlet but what else did it provide because i know it went further than that what else were you seeing from followers or people that were commenting so um there was a lot of surprises uh obviously we started getting a lot of people that were conf- like it it kind of became the place where people started asking questions um, where they started wondering what was going on or trying to find information or trying to find news when they couldn't get through to the lines or didn't feel like calling the 646 info mm-hmm. um, thing. So that became kind of chaotic. And I had to bring on a friend whose dad works for the fire department because they they were too busy. They couldn't answer me. And I had so many, I mean, I have 26,000 people that I'm trying to like give information to like that. I wasn't expecting to have to give information to, or for that matter. I mean, I'm a marketing background. I know a little bit, but I don't know anything about emergency management or emergency like uh, PR or any of those pieces. And so I started trying to have to kind of piece together some of those things and trying to figure out what to say and what not to say and making sure that the messaging coming out was the same as what their messaging was. Um, I knew enough about about it to know that but it was a big learning experience so you were following closely mayor porter mayor shelton mm-hmm. brandon smith tyler yeah. smith you were following close because you're not at the elc you're no. at home i'm at home yeah you're trying home. to keep up with their information i actually hooked up with mark miller mark started um at least helping me kind of know what was coming down the line sure. so that i knew when things were going to be announced or whatever so that i could make sure that that information got put on the page correctly and that the announcements were made about volunteering or opportunities to come into the, um, to the disaster zone. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where it went. Great info. This is the end of the first segment. We'll be right back. We'll continue to talk a little bit more about the tornado and, and everything Caitlin and, and her family did and, and how they helped uh, all, so many good things, uh, to come from Caitlin. We'll be back in just a moment. This is trending and Ben Rogers. I'll be back with Caitlin Steakley. Welcome back to trending. This is Ben Rogers. I am visiting with Caitlin Steakley. Uh, she is a part of so many things. She just started with Habitat for Humanity. We will get to that. We've been talking about her work uh, through the tornado. And she was, she, Caitlin, if y'all don't know, is the one that, that created the Kubel Strong Facebook page for an avenue or an outlet for people to link up together and connect with one another for it really started as you said with lost uh memorabilia pictures and stuff like that but it's went into so much more it's been in Mm -hmm. it's been an informational page if you were affected by the tornado and you're a survivor you maybe went to that page and said where can I find somewhere to stay or where can we get water? I know when I was looking at the page, I know there was all kinds of questions and you're actually managing the page pretty much 24 seven. I was. yeah. Yeah. So you, a lot of your time was spent doing that. 
But that's not the only thing you've been involved in through the tornado. And and you and I will talk about the committee shortly that we served on. But what else have you been involved in uh, other than the Facebook page? So other than the Facebook page, well, it really was another Facebook page. I mean, I did some things, um, you know, helping solicit drinks and things like that for first responders. I did that a little bit. Um, but then that just became too much with the Facebook page. So I had to recruit I had to recruit some friends after having a little bit of a meltdown um, because I realized that that was not something I could do alone. Um, so I did have a great, I had a great admin team that helped and came alongside me. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with Michael Detweiler. Mm-hmm. Um, he was super helpful. And then my friend, Emily um, Blair, she also helped me out like a ton in those first few weeks following um, the tornado because it was impossible. I didn't realize I thought I could do it by myself, but I couldn't. Um, but what ended up happening um, long term was we realized that there was a need for just a survivors group. And so I also have a survivors group um, on Facebook that it's only for survivors. Um, and so those individuals are able to come and ask for things that they wouldn't want to ask 26,000 people. Sure. Um, and it's just people that understand them and what they've been through. And there's only, um, there's only like three or four other people in that group that were not affected by the tornado. And, um, they're all people that work, that have worked. So, um, with everybody. So it, yeah, that ended up being something that was needed. So I moved into that. And then, like you said, we worked on the, um, the committee, the relief fund committee together. Um, and then now, um, I've been working as part of the benevolence committee. Um, not as much lately since I started my new position, but, um, it was, it's been a great, um, it's been a great experience. Um, I've really met a lot of awesome people that are doing a lot of work here in Putnam County. And I'm just, it makes me even prouder to be a Cookvillian and a, you know, Putnam County. And sure. I don't know what the right word for that sure, is, yeah. but, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a year. It's been a, it's been a good year. Well, and so the int- first introduction I had to you personally was the tornado relief committee. And I actually had a show on that. And, and, and I think you were sick at the time and could not join us when John and Melinda and, and, and Dr. Bell was here to talk mm-hmm. about it. But that's the first time you and I were introduced. First time I got to work with you. And and it was a, it was a good committee composed of really good people mm-hmm. that have a passion for service. And I think when Mayor Shelton and Mayor Porter got together, they were looking for that. Um, I was humbled to be included with so many wonderful minds and hearts because when you looked at that committee, I'm like, I don't belong here. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, whoa, yeah. like I do not belong on this no, page. <laughs> no, I, 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 and I thought the same thing. And I said, I text Randy and said, surely you've made a mistake. <laughs> and uh, he's like, no mistake. Make me proud. You know, and, and Randy's very straightforward. Um, he, you didn't, you never, you never are confused about what Randy expects. And so he said, no, no mistake. Make me proud. Thank you. And he, you know, he thanked me. And so we actually only met twice in person, mm-hmm. the first initial meeting. And then we met the next time. Uh, and then COVID was, I mean, actually COVID was really peaking at, at that time because we were socially distanced. Yeah. Uh, you were across the room and we were, we had food brought in, but it was in a box and it was everything we were, we were, we were in, within guidelines. But then we realized it was probably a little bit too, 
complicated to start yeah. or to continue to meet in person. So then we went straight to Zoom. Yep. Zoom is our friend, as much as we get frustrated with Zoom. And we had all our meetings. I don't I don't even know how many times we met after that. It was every week, pretty much every every week or every two weeks from uh the end of March through June. Yeah. Something like that. And so uh Chairman Bell, what a great job he did con- conducting the Zoom part of it. Um, Melinda and John Bell, Melinda Kiefer and John Bell were wonderful support for us and did a lot of the work for for us to help us make good decisions. What was that experience like for you to be on that committee? I learned so much. Um, I had never been on a committee in that type of capacity before. Um, I have been on a lot of like little, um, I've been on a few boards Mm -hmm. and different little committees and stuff like that, but it wasn't anything like that. Um, because we had a charge and we had a commission and we had something that we had to get finished and it wasn't just talking about something. It was getting something done and there were decisions to be made. Um, but I, I love a good team meeting. So, um, I feel like it was, it was a great experience. Yeah, and I I like the word charge because we really did we had we had one charge mm-hmm. and we had a deadline. Yep. And Mayor Porter, Mayor Shelton were great. I mean, wonderful, but they were very clear. We want this money distributed to the survivors ASAP, mm-hmm. as quickly as possible, and that's what we did. Uh, just a wonderful experience for me as well, and it it. it it's a wonderful experience considering everything that happened mm-hmm. um, made me really look at how many wonderful people we have in the community. And we have so many good people that serve. So you're a big part of that. And I'm glad that you were there. So I'm glad I got to meet you through that. The I, feeling is mutual. Thank you. It was, it was just, and I got to work with Dr. Bell was my president at tech and <laughs> was actually my Dean of business. Then got to, then he was appointed president at tech. And so I, I hadn't really been around him a whole lot and got to work with him and got to meet John and of course, Melinda I've known for years through my work and her work. Um, and so the, everybody else, it was just wonderful. Let's talk about what you're doing now. A little yeah. bit. And you, you I'd mentioned uh, you're working for Habitat for Humanity mm-hmm. and your title is Director of Development and Communications. Yes. And really, that's you're your Director of Development Communications, but it's like, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe you could do a better job, but Habitat is wonderful. And I'll, and I'll let you briefly talk about what the, what they do. So people, if they don't know, mm-hmm. but it's like a ministry. Yes. And you're part of what you're doing is in the, is really in ministry. It is. And so let's talk first about what does Habitat for Humanity do for the people in this area? So what Habitat does is um, we build houses. Obviously, everybody kind of knows that, mm-hmm. that um, Habitat builds houses. What most people don't know is that people don't just get a house. Um, we kind of act as a... Um, it's a low interest or a no interest mortgage company, basically, for families that would never otherwise qualify for a traditional mortgage. Um, maybe these are families that might work in like service industries or um, personal care aides and things like that that are just lifetime renters usually because they can't ever have enough money to afford to qualify for a home. Um, so what we do is we try to break that barrier down because we also know that um, somebody having a home that is affordable to them is a great foundation for success in their life. 
Um, now they have to do the work um, and they still have to pay a mortgage. The mortgage is based on their income um, as a family or as an individual. And we have they also have to do something called sweat equity. So the family has to come and work alongside us and complete if they're a dual household, they have to complete over 400 hours of service to our organization. They have to help build their home. They have to help build a neighbor's home. Um, and then their friends and family also have to help complete those hours and come in and help them um, get their uh, mortgage in their home. So it's a really great uh, ministry um, because we're walking alongside families and trying to help them like actually take a step out of poverty. Sure. Um, so it's it's really unique. Um, and the one thing that I didn't even know when I or realized when I started working there was that First of all, I didn't realize how big of a need there was for affordable housing. Um, I didn't realize that was like a worry for people that were renting. I didn't realize that. Um, I just didn't realize it. Uh, and I actually learned a little bit about that during the tornado. And once I started serving on the Benevolence Committee, um, I started learning a little bit more about that because we started having a lot of problems finding people rentals here right. and finding a place to stay and um it just became like a cycle of like, there is nothing out there, like, and became very frustrating. Right. So um, I feel a great passion for housing at this point and housing and trying to help people have that stable um, foundation so that they can raise a family somewhere that's one clean um, and safe and that's affordable. So hold that thought because when we come back, I want to ask you about the the ability, the lack of ability for people to find rentals. Okay, yeah. Because when we come back, just a minute. So hold that thought. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Ben Rogers on Trending. I'm visiting with Caitlin Steakley, and what a wonderful person she is. If you don't know her, uh, we're getting to learn more about her. But we'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to Trending. This is Ben Rogers, your host. I continue with Caitlin Steakley. Caitlin just took a uh, job and a new career with Habitat for Humanity. We just started talking about that. And one thing you mentioned last segment is the um, lack of opportunity to rent maybe a house or rent an apartment for people that are looking for housing. My question to you is, is there is it a struggle because the rent is so high in this area or the availability is scarce or is it both? It's both. Okay. So we um, I don't know how much impact the tornado specifically had on the inventory as far as housing and rentals go. Um, I don't know that anybody could give you that answer. Um, but as I started my new position, uh, part of my job is advocacy. Uh, and that means advocating about affordable housing. Um, and there's a lot, most people want to coin kind of say synonymously with Cookville. Well, it's a very affordable place to live, but for many people here, it's not, um, statistically. And I don't know. And I've, and I, I'll just say that I don't know if this number includes tech students or not. So, um, statistically 45% of our renters here are cost burdened, And that means that they spend over 30% of their monthly income on housing and utilities, um, well, in this particular uh, THDA part that I'm talking about, it's just um, it is both rent and utilities. Yes. Um, but 22 percent, that means um, almost half of those also are severely cost burdened, meaning right. they spend more than 50 percent wow. of their monthly income on housing. So you can imagine what the margins for those families look like at the end of the month when they're trying to do all the other things. And I, I specifically made a post about this on Facebook last week. Um, 
that it just kind of is like, well, if, if they're spending 50%, let's just say they're a, let me just back up for a second. Our average rental here in Putnam County is about $650 a month. And that came from, that was as of August of 2018, August of this year, just yeah. August 18th of this year, I think. So 650, 650 a month is the average. So that's one, when you get that number, that doesn't include um, that doesn't include the quality of the home either. So that's not even pulling that into the picture because sure. there are a lot of people living in some really, really bad places. And, and probably not favorable locations either. No, fa- unfavorable locations. There's a lot of mold and moisture issues here, obviously, because of the amount of rain that we have. Right. Um, there's just a lot. I mean, and it's been a it's been a hard year anyways, but it's there are so many other pieces to this puzzle that we don't necessarily have the answers to. Um, but when you look at that number and you see the 650, that doesn't include utilities. So that means that those people are not paying their utilities with that number. So it's probably more like 700 and something dollars a month, which then puts at the 600 and something dollars a month, it's like they need to make 13, almost $14 an hour for that to be affordable to them. Um, so you can imagine how many jobs we have here that are making that, you know, it's, it's not what it needs to be. I mean, and that's just, that's, that's nationwide. I will say this, it's not a Putnam County issue. This is a nationwide issue of increasing home value and increasing home prices, but a non-increasing minimum wage and wages. I mean, that's just, that is part of it. Um, but what we have to think about as a community is like, is the things, I don't know what we can do at this point or what the options are. I feel like that's the next step in my, in my journey right now is trying to come up with solutions or try to start thinking about solutions. Um, and Habitat does that a little bit, but we only serve four families a year. We can only do so much as an organization. And I would love for that capacity to increase. And that's my hope is that we can, you know, increase funding and be able to have more people that are able to have a home that is affordable to them um, and that their utility bill is affordable. Because some of the families that I've met that came into Habitat were paying over $500 a month in their utility bill because they had an inefficient, they were in a rental with no basically old windows and not a good roof and right. no insulation right. because it was a really old home. Wow. So you think about like how, how far these people are stretched. Like it, I mean, it, it's just sad. I mean, I like, I don't, I don't, I don't have any, I don't necessarily have an answer, but those are the statistics. Sure. Those are the data. And I think the more we talk about it, and the more that we start like really advocating for it and say, hey, like, let's figure out if we, we can't change the national minimum wage. We can't do that. But there might be something else we can do and right. start really thinking about that um, as we look into the future and the next steps, because the housing market here, like we're just the further that Nashville pushes out, the more people we're going to keep getting. Right. And it's and it's growing oh, yeah. exponentially. Yep. And so we're also going to grow with that. And we want to make sure that we're taking care of our citizens um that have been here and we want them to stay we don't want them to get pushed out sure um so anyways there's my spiel on affordable housing <laughs> well and, and i'm glad so last time you talked about what habitat does and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's like you said it's not a free house y'all no. don't raise money to build a house and just turn it over to a family and say all right here's your home forever for free I have to do is to pay utilities, and that, that don't happen that way. It's a, it's affordable. Mm-hmm. Their interest rates are low. The donations come in to build the house to help make the interest rates low and the and lower that mortgage, uh, from what it could be. I serve on the Highland Residential uh, Services Board, which is the housing authority here in Cookville. And, and you know, people ask me, well, how does that work? Well, it's a, a low rent 
option for mm-hmm. so it's affordable housing so the rent would be lower but they're they live in like a, I, I how to say this correctly and thou and chris might yell at me at the end of this but it's more of clusters of dwellings or cu- clusters of, of of living space for people with habitat you're building a nice dwelling a nice decent sized dwelling for a family to move into and mm-hmm. that's their space yes and I think that is amazing that that option is there for a family that not only to have an affordable home, and I say home, I don't say house, mm-hmm. I say home, that's their space. You're, some of the requirements are they stay with you and they help build another home for somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's like a ministry service. They're growing as individuals. Mm-hmm. That's part of what Habitat does. You provide something affordable to them, but they're also going to give back. Right. And so that's another difference between uh, the housing authority because you're just people, they need somewhere to live, affordable housing, where they're coming in and they're, of course, they're required to maintain the dwelling and, and keep it clean and pay rent. But there's not really a ministry program. The housing authority is not set up to do that. That's not their right. charge. No. Habitat has that charge. So I think it's amazing. The other thing I want to add to what you said about percentage of income. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I became a county commissioner is because I felt like Putnam County's debt structure was out of hand. Mm-hmm. When I began county commission work in 2014, we had $200 million of debt as a county. $200 million. And that's principal and interest of what we owed on our amortization schedule. So for 30 plus years, we had debt. And over that 30 years, we we're going to pay $200 million. There are studies out there. And part of my career is training mm-hmm. officials and commissioners in other counties in this county about debt service and about debt management for a county. The studies out there through the Tennessee Governmental Finance Officer Association, which are actually Tennessee and the, the, the Nationwide Governmental Finance Officer Association, says a home, an individual's income, shouldn't be, 10, no more than 10% of it should go towards a county's debt. So you take somebody you're talking about that's trying to find a house mm-hmm. or somewhere to live, an apartment or something, and their 30% of their income is going towards rent, well then taking another 10% of that that's going towards the county or city to provide services, especially for debt, and actually it's probably more than that, I'm just talking about debt. One of the reasons I wanted to become a commissioner was to lower that debt threshold, mm-hmm. to lower the amount we had so the burden on our taxpayer wouldn't be as high. And so if you combine the people you're working with and you're you're doing these studies and seeing that a lot of their income is going towards just living in a dwelling mm-hmm. and having a roof over their head, and so they're not in the rain, and then you, you pile on taxes to provide, pay for a debt for a county, which counties have to have to grow an infrastructure, it can be burdensome. Yeah. So... You and I just figured out one of the reasons we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. Well, we knew it, no. but now we've just connected it. So as, and we've got a couple minutes left in this segment, and we've got one more with you, but as Director of Dev- Development Communications, mm-hmm. you just informed us, you've educated us already. What else does that entail? Um, so particular, are you saying pertaining to my job? Yes. So that just means everything that comes in um, would match our branding and our messaging going out so that we have a clear, concise message going out to the public about what we do. Sure. Um, you know, comparatively speaking to uh, Highlands and how we're different and and just encouraging um, people to donate, I mean, to our fund because we are – we're a nonprofit, so right. we rely on donations sure. to survive. Right. Um, this year has really stunk in that department. Um, and I'm new, yeah. so I'm just now getting on board. But right. I think that's that goes for anybody that is running a nonprofit right now. Is It's just hard this year. Yeah. Like, this year has been difficult. Um, so as we look forward to the fall, 
Um, we are canceling our cooking on the square event, which is really unfortunate, but um, we are still going to, we're actually going to call it though, cooking on the square, the one without gumbo, because we still have to build a home and we still have to find a, you know, find the money and the capital that we need to raise to build this place for somebody. Um, and we have lots of families that have been applying recently and that's, you know, becoming, there's a lot more coming to us, sure. especially right now, right. because there's starting to be people that are evicted, like those eviction notices are kicking in and stuff like that. And so the need is growing and we don't want COVID to mess that up for somebody right. or slow us down right. because we have more need than we did before. Right. Um, so Anyways, one of the good things I think about Habitat specifically, just to kind of round this out, is that all of the money that we raise and put the capital towards a home is coming back to the organization at the end of it. So your money is circular sure. if you donate to Habitat. Okay. Um, so it's a good way for me to look at it because yeah. what happens is those people end up paying their mortgage back to us and then we then in turn get to build another home. So the further we get down the road, the more and more homes that we'll be able to build and um, anyways, that's a really good way to look at it for a reason to donate. If yeah. it wasn't already enough reason to try to help someone get into a home, your money is going to be basically reused over and over. Yeah. So I'm. thank you for saying that. we got one more segment, if you can stay with me. Uh, this is Trending and Ben Rogers. I'll be back in just a moment. We'll wrap up our show with Caitlin Steakley. She's been wonderful, and we'll see you in just a minute. Welcome back to the last segment of Trending. I hope you're enjoying your Friday morning. I continue to visit with Caitlin Steakley. She's been telling us all about Habitat the last segment, and we want to just mention a few more things. You had told us, Caitlin, before we left, that Cooking on the Square has been canceled for this year mm-hmm. due to COVID-19. Um, and, and, of course, what, that's unfortunate, but there is still a need. There is. And there's a need for people to uh, contribute for the cause of Habitat for Humanity so another home can be built and so another family can move in and have a home. And so... The best way to do that is is contribute, make a contribution to Habitat. We don't have cooking on the square, so that's not available, but that's not the only way to contribute to Habitat. So if you have a chance and have an opportunity, call up Caitlin or call anybody else at Habitat for Humanity and ask what you can do to help. Yes. um, And my phone number, in case you need that. Absolutely. Is 528-1711. So an extension seven. Um, but yeah, we do, we need help. We need, uh, we need the help that we would have gotten from cooking on the square. It's a huge event. Um, there's usually over 3000 people at that event. So it's going to be very missed this year. And at $20, $25 a ticket, um, that's a really big fundraiser for us. So as we look forward, we're hoping that people are encouraged to at least write that check that they would have written or make that donation they would have made that, you know, you would have made towards entering the event to us still this year. Um, And that's why we've called it the one without gumbo, because we still have a home to build. And I cannot emphasize that enough. We still have a home to build and we don't want for COVID to wreck that for somebody. Or it's not going to wreck it for somebody, but it's going to make it even longer. And we right. don't, we need more, like I sure. just said. So, and of course, I always attend the, the annual dinner, the lunch. That yeah, have, the Dream Builders the lunch. The Dream Builders lunch. So mm-hmm. that's another way. And of course, I don't remember what time of year that is. Everything is usually in the spring, but we had to I cancel thought. that as well. That was canceled. So yeah. we don't know about next spring. Hopefully it can happen, but. Um, people, if you're listening, you want to contribute, just call her up and, and, and find out a way you said you had, of course we know you, you, you made a career move. You have mm-hmm. a passion to serve you and, and you want to help people. 
is that why you decide to go to Habitat? It is. Um, and honestly, it was the right. I mean, I am a Christian and I believe that the right thing kind of happens at the right time. Absolutely. And for me, I had just um, left my last position that I was in and was just kind of waiting for something. And I specifically, after the tornado hit, I got really involved in housing um, accidentally. And so I had had a pretty big passion for that at this point. Like there was already, I had already made plans to start working with a few groups on some advocacy things. And then when this position opened up, it was just, I mean, the timing was impeccable. So, so we know you have a passion to serve. Mm -hmm. You said you have a background in marketing. So where does that background come from? So I graduated um, from Belmont university in Nashville um, in 2012, and it was a liberal studies degree, but my entire um, upper division coursework was in uh, marketing and um, personal selling, actually. So I have a unique like perspective as far as that go. I also have a little bit of an art background. Um, as, as some of you may know, I'm a photographer as well. And so I have, um, I don't know, I have, I have a mix of things. Like <laughs> I like to say, I study a little bit of everything. Um, but yeah, jack of all trades, jack master all none. <laughs> well, marketing is something I don't have a clue about. Mm -hmm. And so I, when I see an ad and I like it, I know I like it. But yeah. as far as putting the, uh, you know, I'm going to count it. I got a money mind, I guess it is. And they say we're dull and boring, but I try not to be too dull. But marketing is uh, definitely a creative uh, mindset. And my my wife Amy, she does market. She used to do marketing. Now she she's creative in other ways, and she has that mindset. I don't. Yeah, it's it, so it just funny. Don't exist. I had an employee. This for a side story. Sure. I had an employee that worked for me at my boutique when I had a boutique. Um, and she was an accountant major, and I, like first of all, I got like a C in accounting. Okay, it was not <laughs> like I passed it. I got I was average. Like right. I was not my favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, but she was like getting a C in marketing and I was like, how do you get a C in marketing? Yep. Like that is the easiest class ever. And she's like, accounting is the easiest class ever. Yep. How do you get a C in accounting? And so it just really like hit me in the face. I'm like, you know, people are just built to do different things. They are. It takes all kinds. Um, yeah. and so thank you for having that mind. But uh, so you have a marketing background, you saw an opportunity to come here and that's part of what your title is. Uh, development marketing to me is a, there's a lot of similar similarities in those two things. What else have you been involved in? Uh, and I know the answer, but you can, well, I'll mention it. You've been involved in food, food to the rescue. Mm -hmm. And so when did you get involved with that and what made you start that path? So after I had a boutique, like I just mentioned, um, and that closed, um, oh gosh, been a few years now three or four I don't remember exactly but after that closed I wanted to get involved I wanted to do something that mattered I wanted not that everything doesn't matter it all does but I just I have a heart to serve people and I knew I wanted to work somewhere in that and um, I was in Bible study with Ashley Swan and Ashley was working um, to create and start food to the rescue and so I jumped in and um, started helping her with that and it became you know it, it was a great door opener for me as far as being able to meet a lot of people that are working here in Putnam County I have been absolutely floored at how many people are working 
tirelessly and how much of a small group of people are working tirelessly to make our community such a great place. Um, And so I just, I, I don't know. There's some awesome people here and that's really what got me started um, as far as moving from one thing to another. And I also saw that a lot of those people in social service didn't have a marketing background. So I ended up, I've ended up managing multiple social media pages for people and different groups that are working um, and trying to help them get things lifted off so that they can get the support they need. Sure. I actually went to high school with Ashley McCaleb then, Mm -hmm. and uh, I think she's a year younger than I was. Great basketball player, very smart, great personality. And and I know that I followed her through social media as well, and her passion to serve is, is amazing. So it takes people like you and her and all kinds that we've had to help people. And I've said this a hundred times on the show. I feel like that's why we're all here. Mm -hmm. You mentioned being a Christian. I'm a Christian and we're here to serve Mm -hmm. and we're here to help. And so when we can do that or whatever passion we have to do, that makes us all better. It makes our communities better. So um, thank you for being a part of that. You mentioned family. You grew up in Baxter. I did. Mm -hmm. And, um, of course, you're married and you have two children. I do, yes. Let me me know about the kids right quick because I know that's your pride and joy. It is. Really, you Um, could probably talk all show about them, but (laughs) let me know about your children. I could. I have a six-year-old girl who is a first grader this year. Um, that is, that's been very challenging this year. Um, just having to get her ready to go to school and wear a mask, but she's had a pretty good attitude about it. It's, um, it's amazing how you can have two children and then be completely different because mm-hmm. I have the, the six year old's very compliant. She does what she's kind of supposed to and told to, and she follows the rules mostly at school, not always at home. Right. Um, and she's a, she's a critical thinker. It's really funny because whenever I get with her, like she always has a one way to, um, figure the way around what I just told her to do, mm-hmm. but we could do it like this mom. Sure. And I'm like, no, you're going to do it like this because this is the way we're going to do it right now. But why? But why? So she's my, she is my, but why child yep. for sure. And then I have, um, a four-year-old little boy who is all boy. And, um, he is, if he was in here right now, he would be jumping from chair to chair, spinning around on the microphones. Like he, you know, you should have brought him. Yeah, it would yeah. have been entertaining, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, sound quality wouldn't have been great though. So, um, well, anytime they're welcome. Yeah. And of course, your husband works at Upper Electric. We he spoke does. off air. He just, I guess, just missed crossing paths with my daddy. Daddy retired there from forty years of service and. Uh, April of last year and he started August of last year yeah tell him thank you for the work he put in um, because they're they're public servants too the power goes out people at Upper Cumberland Akuva Electric all those people are working to get your power back on they they're are. out helping people so it looks like we're all connected and serving some way and I think that's wonderful um, will you come back again sometime Absolutely. and update us later on about Habitat because that and I want to do whatever I can to help y'all. So let me know what I can do. But I think Habitat for Humanity is wonderful, wonderful program, uh, helping so many people. And we need that for people. We need people to have an outlet or have a way to have a home. And so thank you for doing that. No, thank you. Um, and thank I pre- you for having me and let me talk about it today. Um, my pleasure. You've been wonderful. Um, and all the information you give us about that, plus everything that's been going on, everything you've been doing, I appreciate. I just want to remind people, as I do every week, to be kind to one another. 
Uh, I've just met with a wonderful young lady. She's kind. She has a passionate heart. And so if you can be kind and love on each other, uh, I promise you we're going to get through all these hard times. It seems like every day we're doing something different. We're a struggle. But if you just remember to be kind, I promise you, your day will be great. And those around you will be affected, and they will smile. I want to thank Billy Mack, my producer. What a wonderful person. Do not cut that out, Billy Mack. People need to know how wonderful you are. Great producer. Does so much for me, and I I, I love the guy. And I hope everybody listens next week uh, and comes back. And I hope you've enjoyed today. Again, Caitlin, thank you. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. I hope everybody has a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye.